1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind, right? We went through patience and kindness. Well, this morning, we're going to stay with this whole theme of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But this morning, we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. And it says, love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Paul sums up all of this in verse 8. He sums it all up in three words. Love never fails. Love never fails. You want to be a success in life? People say, oh yeah, I want to learn how to be successful in life. You want your life to count? The Bible says love never fails. So if I love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all of my strength and I love my neighbor as myself, then I have lived a successful life, mic drop, walk off the stage, sermon over, okay, really. If you've lived your life, if you've loved God with all of your heart and you loved your neighbor, you love other people, you have lived a successful life. That's what success is all about. That's how God defines success. Do you love me? Do you love others? It's absolutely amazing. Love never fails. You will not fail in this life. You will not fail to fulfill your purpose in this life if you love. I think that is so powerful. So powerful. So what is love? Okay, so now we have to define what is love. I think love is one of the, one, love is the most misrepresented, misused words in the English language. Okay, it's just we throw it around for everything. Honestly, I love my wife. I do. I love my wife. I love my children. You say, yeah, yeah, that, that's right. You love your wife. You love your children. Yeah, I love America. Woohoo, I love America. I love lobster. Man, I love lobster. Really, I do. And honestly, I, ever, I love chili dogs. I mean, a good chili dog. I mean, the Cincinnati chili is good. I didn't grow up here, but I learned to li- I really learned to like it. My kids love it. Okay, so I, I love chili dogs. You know what I love? I love catching big fish. You know what I mean? Going out on a kayak when you're going down and you snag them and you feel that, oh, you get, it, you get, that, you get that hit and it stays on. I love catching big fish. We use, we have love stories, okay? Music that talks about love. I mean, it loves songs. It's so interchangeable. We use the word in such an interchangeable way. It's absolutely amazing. Well, in verse 7, Paul gives us four definitions of love. God defines what love is, just so you understand. I know the world is trying to define it. You know, you throw the word love around. Love, love, love is love, love is love, love is love. It's all you hear, okay? God defines love, and in verse 7, Paul gives us four definitions of love. He shows us four ways to develop successful relationships. Do you want to have successful relationships in your life? He gives us some ways to do that. He said, love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. So number one, number one, protect people's worth. You want to have successful relationships? You protect people's worth. You say, what, 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 what does that mean? Well, love always, it always protects. The word protects in the Greek means to, it's like a, a, a roof over a home. 
It's having a roof. It co- it's a, it, it, to cover to cover a roof is exactly what it means. The word protects. So it's a cover over. You put a roof over something to protect it. That is so important. I mean, think about it. A house without a roof is no real shelter from the storm. The storms of life, things that go on in our lives, without a roof, there's not, there's not much there. What's going to protect you from, from the storm without a roof? Who here would buy a home without a roof? I mean, when the house, once the house is all finished, you walk up and say, oh, that's the house I want. It's got no roof, but I'm sure we'll be fine. No, you need a roof. It always protects that's what the Bible says when it talks about when it talks about this word, this idea. The Bible says love is like a roof. Love is like it covers, it covers over, it protects. Think about this when you're thinking about other people around you. Okay? It covers. It it it, it, it shows it protects people. Listen, why is that so important? Because self esteem is so fragile in people's lives. Okay? We are so easily hurt. And I'm not being critical, I'm just being honest. I mean, we are, you know, people are resilient, but when it comes to people's self-esteem, when it comes to how they think about themselves, I mean, we're, we're, very, we're very fragile people, we're easily hurt. But the Bible says love covers, it covers. We should be asking ourselves, how can I protect other people's worth? So if we're talking about love and I'm going to build successful relationships and I'm going to have a successful life, then I need to ask myself, how can I cover? How can I cover other people? How can I protect other people's worth? You, you can do that by minimizing. Okay, You do that by, by, min, by minimizing their hurt and their mistakes. You try to minimize people's hurt and their mistakes, not emphasize when they blow it. And see, it's so easy. I don't know why it's so easy for us to, to emphasize when someone makes a mistake, when, when someone blows it. You know, I can't stand the phrase. I can't stand this phrase. Well, she's never going to live that one down. He'll never live that one down. Or I won't let him live that one down. Person makes a mistake and it's like jump. Oh man, they're never going to live that down. It's like some, like somehow we find joy. I'm not saying all people, but you find joy in someone making a mistake and somehow they're never going to live that down. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, when I go to God and ask Him to forgive me, He forgives me. So I'm forgiven. He separates my sin as far as the east is from the west. He chooses to forget. The, the mistake that I made, that's what God does. And then we come along and say, oh, ho, ho, she's never going to live that one down. It's like, what? That holy mackerel is that unloving. You know, we love to see ourselves sometimes, and I'm just being honest, raising my hand, as loving and compassionate and caring, kind to other people. But then we behave that way or we say things, or maybe we don't say it, but we think it. I'm going to hold that one, to hold that card in my back pocket and bring that up when I need to. Honestly, you've got to think in your own heart. Is that the way I behave sometimes? And if I, if I behave that way, then I have to be honest with myself that I'm not very loving. I'm not looking to cover. I'm not a roof protecting people from the storms. I'm just waiting for the opportunity to bring that back up. Love is willing to overlook people's faults. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Love covers over a multitude, a multitude of sins. Now, this, they may not be sins, what I'm talking about next, may not be sins, but I have made, in leading Grace Chapel, if, you're, if you lead in, in any way, I have made some really big mistakes in leading this church. 
I should have gone left when I I went left when I should have gone right. I went up when I should have gone down. I made some mistakes. Now, if I if I pointed them out, you'd say, well, that's not really a sin. But I'm not saying it's a sin, but I made mistakes. And do I honestly do I really want the do I want to be known for the mistakes that I've made? Doesn't God work out all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose? Even when people make mistakes, mistakes are a great teacher. You learn so much from when you make mistakes. Someone told me I should have done this. So I thought, eh, I'll do that. I learned from that. Those are things, those are things that we, we learn. We learn as we go forward in our lives. And we need to encourage each other. We need to support each other. We need to, we need to cover. We need to protect, if you will. Like a roof protects those inhabitants of a home. We need to protect. How else can we protect each other's worth? Well, one of the ways is by not gossiping about one another. By not talking behind people's back. By not reminding people of their faults when they, when they fail. When they have faults. Not, rem, not constantly reminding people of that. I have an amazing illustration that, that I thought about uh, that when, I was, when I was writing the sermon. When I was, uh, I was about 19 years old, and I, all grow, growing up, I liked to play football, I liked to play baseball, I liked to play hockey, I just liked sports all the way around, and, and I played baseball, and I played softball, when I became a believer, I was on the church softball team, and so we had a really good softball team, and it was, you know, you pitched, you know, it was softball, it was fun, I really, really liked it, and, uh, and so we ended up playing a, uh, a professional softball team, alright, for charity, our team was pretty good. They had this professional softball team was going to be on the radio. So we're going to this game. And have you ever, <laughs> have you ever hit against a professional softball player? Male or female? Okay. You think you're good until you go up against someone who's, I mean, the ball comes in, it comes in high. It doesn't come down that, it's absolutely amazing. I stood, I got up there and the person struck me out in like, I think three or four pitches. And it was on the radio. So I had a friend who I invited to stay with me. I had my own place. I was like 19, just graduated, was going to college, and I had my own place. I invited them to stay with me. They didn't have any place else to live. And they were on the softball team too. And this friend decided he was going to record that game on the radio. So each night before we went to bed, he would play me striking out two or three times before I went to sleep. And what they were saying on the radio about it. And what I, I, it rings in my ears right now. Guy looks like he's just trying to protect himself. That's what they say on the radio. I never struck out, in, I really, in softball in my whole life. But he wanted to remind me before I went to bed for like two weeks. Played that radio every time. Recording of me striking out in softball. I, Proverbs, Proverbs 17.9 says, He who covers over an offense offers love. But he who repeats a matter separates even the closest of friends. When someone makes a mistake, when someone fails, uh, this is an uh, this strikeout uh, doesn't really like affect my life. But the point is that that profoundly affected our relationship because he constantly reminded me of my failure, and I thought, man, that's pretty malicious, you know. And, it's, and it really, at that point, separated us. So, you see, here's the thing. You love people by protecting their dignity. You love, you love people by protecting their worth. Why is it that we love to get dirt on other people? And then we get the dirt and we, we like to disseminate the dirt to other people. We like to share that dirt with other people. See, here's the thing. Love, 
love hates scandals. Love hates it. Sin loves it, man. Sin, hatred, whatever word you want to use, loves scandals, loves to get dirt, and loves to take that dirt and use that dirt. And, po- and politics love to do that, right? They love to get dirt on someone. Even if, even if you haven't done anything, they love to get dirt on you, make something up, and then spread it around, right? That's, that's just the way it is. Love hates scandals. Hates scandals. Love doesn't like to expose other people's messes. You find something out about someone, you go to that person, you sit down with them, work them through that, but you don't tell the whole world about it because love hates scandals. Love doesn't like to expose other people's messes. Why? Because love always protects. If you're exposing someone else for what they've done, uh, use whatever excuse you like. It's unloving. It's not a loving thing. The Bible defines love. It always protects. It protects other people. The next time you're tempted to go around and tell something you found out about another person, you've got to stop and ask yourself. Seriously. I know this is hard sometimes. You've got to ask yourself, what does this say about me? What does it say about me? The second point Pastor Eddie is going to share, the second point of developing strong relationships. Good morning. My introduction is a little less intense than Pastor David. There's only one South African screen per, per service. We met our quota. So, but uh, good morning. For those that don't know who I am, I'm Andy Keimer. I am the pastor of children's and youth ministry uh, here at Grace Chapel. And it's been an awesome series um, talking about relationships. And we invited our youth. Uh, usually we have a youth service during first service. And we invited them in. During this service, uh, just because this is so impactful, because there's not a youth, there's probably not a person in here that's not dealing with some sort of relationship, specifically youth with a, with a teacher, with a coach, with a mom or dad, with a sibling, a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, friend, whatever, where there isn't some sort of strain. So these biblical principles are so impactful, and if you can learn them at a young age, youth... It can really make a big difference. Just a, a quick update. It's kind of been a blessing in disguise that we've been over here a little bit more, especially first service. The furnace in our space went out in the process of getting it uh, quoted and getting the, in, or the information to fix it. Uh, we've invited our youth over here. And uh, last week uh, we had set up 48 chairs in the Hive classroom right out here. And if you've ever been in there with 20 people, it seems cramped. So we thought, oh, this is plenty of chairs. Well, we ended up having to get more chairs. We had over 50 kids. We had kids sitting on the floor. We had kids poke their head in the door. And we're like, eh, it's a little cramped in there. I like my space on Sunday morning. So I just want to continue to encourage the youth of this church just how powerful and impactful you currently are and will be. Um, and continue to invite maybe new people or people that have been a part that haven't checked out our Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Because that group is really built on relationships. And I know sometimes when you're new, you're the first, you know, first time there. I, I just want to keep inviting you because it's a group that I hope that my kids have. It's such a powerful group of, with, in terms of relationships. But the second point that Jeff's talking about, we want to trust people's intentions. We want to trust people's intentions. The, the verse says, love always trusts. And we can probably split um, or categorize this idea of trust into three different categories. The first one being there are gullible people out there, people that believe anything and everything. There are cynics out there, people that trust nobody. And then there's loving people that you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. They find the balance of who to trust, when to trust, and so forth. Uh, I know for myself personally, I, I am more so in the gullible. Um, I had the opportunity to coach uh, 
basketball at CHCA for some years, and my assistant coaches, they knew that, and I loved them, but they took advantage of me. They would just make up stories during practice. Hey, Andy, hey, do you know you got the Coach of the Week award? Yeah. Hey, down in the cafeteria, the head of the school is down there, right? WLWT, they got the camera out, the Chick-fil-A cows there. They got 100 Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Carson Palmer is back. What? Really? Like, we didn't even win our games last week. Carson Palmer doesn't even play for the bank. No, go down there. So, of course, I believe them. I trust them because I love them. So I go down there. Of course, I walk in. It's like a study hall. I end up asking a question along the line. Hey, is there, is there a couple hundred Chick-fil-A sandwiches in Carson Palmer down here? No? All right. Thank I wonder, they're probably thinking, like, this is our basketball coach? This guy's a moron just walking around looking for... Chick-fil-A sandwiches and Carson Palmer, but um, those stories always ended with me coming back into the practice and yelling at my assistants, calling them idiots, and then just continuing with practice. But I think we can all fall in line there, but the ultimate goal is uh, to trust and to be loving and give people the benefit of the doubt. So then the question that we have to answer is, how do we trust people? How do we trust people? And there's a lot of different ways, but one way that you can really build a bond is when you take advantage of an opportunity when someone blows it or someone makes a mistake, someone messes up, and you give them that second chance. You know, so much confidence and so much strength is built in relationships when a second chance is given. Um, You know, Pastor Jeff's talked about a little bit. We live in a society where people are somewhat offended periodically, right? But um, when you are in a loving relationship, you know, people just make mistakes, right? They made a mistake because they overthought, they underthought. They have never been in that situation before. I know for me as a parent, the first time I've ever parented a five-year-old is when my son turned five years old, right? The first time you've ever parented a teenager is when your teenager became a teenager, right? It's your first time in it. You're going to make mistakes. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this. uh, People are neither totally sincere nor totally hypocritical. Their moods change, their motives are mixed, and they're often quite mistaken as to what their motives are. A lot of times people just make mistakes. People don't exactly know what they're doing, and then they realize they made a mistake. And it's our job in a loving relationship to just always trust, to just always trust. Um, so the practical part that we always try to give to our youth, something that they can take out and really apply to their life is answering that question is who in your life deserves a second chance? Who in your life deserves a second chance? Maybe it's been 15, 20, 25 years. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it's a spouse it's your son or your daughter, it's a sibling, it's a coworker, it's something. But if you really want that relationship to grow, um, love always trusts in giving them that second chance. I, I've heard stories of siblings that have been fighting for 40 years. And then when asked why they're fighting, they don't even remember. I can't really remember. I just don't like that person. Right? It's because you go back 40 years or go back to when the initial mistake occurred. Because that was just a mistake. Their intention wasn't to hurt them. It was just a mistake. That second chance was never given. And think of the relationships we may miss out on or the relationships that, you know, we're not reaching full capacity because we're not willing to give the second chance. You know, there's a line used out there a lot that, well, you know, they have to earn my trust. And there is some truth to that. But as I've heard people say that, I feel like that's just an excuse we use. 
My heart is closed to this person. I'm just going to say to everyone else, well, they got to earn my trust with no intent ever to give them my trust. So our challenge today is, you know, who needs that second chance? Who can you give trust to? When someone believes in you and you have trust in them, those relationships are so strong, so powerful. They can glorify and do incredible, incredible things. You know, people need two things that we've been talking about. They need protection and they need trust. And love always protects and love always trusts. Thank you. Always hopes. That's number three. How you doing, Ace? Anybody been on base? Nobody. Nobody? This I ain't seen much of. Me neither. Chappie? I never have. What's the matter? I don't know if I have anything left. Chappie, you just throw whatever you got, whatever's left. The boys are all here for you. We'll back you up, we'll be there. Because, Billy, we don't stink right now. We're the best team in baseball right now, right this minute, because of you. You're the reason. We're not going to screw that up. We're going to be awesome for you right now. Just throw. All right? Come on. Come on. You want a successful relationship? Expect the best in other people. Expect the best. Love always hopes. This is so important. It always hopes. The fact of the matter is, people have a tendency to fulfill what they think you think about them. People have a tendency to fulfill, live out, what they think you think about them. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm, you know, people should be able to overcome and blow, you know, push past and doesn't matter, climb the mountain. But people have, in general, have a tendency, okay, to become what you say they are much of the time. When we speak failure into people's lives, it's like self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, I don't know why negative words flow off the tongue so easily and positive words don't, but they do. It's like when you're in school or a parent who tells you you're never going to amount to anything. You can't do that. What makes you think you're capable of all those types of words? You couldn't do that if you tried. When, when, a, when a father tells a son, you couldn't do that if you tried. When a mom tells a child, when a teacher, I don't know how many times I have heard people say to me, my teacher said, you're never going to amount to anything. Words are powerful. We set people up for failure with our words, but love expects the best. Love, the Bible says, always hopes. That means it expects the best. It wants the best. It wants to see the best out of people. Let me share a story with you that was just changed so much of my life when it comes to this thought process. I was a youth pastor, and I took a group of about 50, 60 students on a whitewater rafting trip. 
So we went down to West Virginia, the Red River, uh, well, the uh, New River, whatever it was, and we got down there. We got down there early enough, and in the day, and we we're going to go, we we're going to go uh, whitewater rafting the next day. So we said, well, "What do you want to do tonight?" They said, "Let's just go out and maybe grab something to eat." So as we were going out, maybe grabbing something to eat, we drove past the baseball field, and there was a little league game going on. And the student said, "Let's go watch the little league game." I said, okay, that sounds good. So we parked, everybody got out of the bus, we went down and sat up in the stands, and the score was like 22 to 2. Kids were getting slaughtered. And you could, you could just see them on the bench just sitting there, their heads hanging down, and, you know, no enthusiasm whatsoever. So we sat with the parents up there, and we found out the name of the kids on the team that were getting killed. And so here comes John up to bat. I mean, dragging his bat behind him. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, man, you know, like, oh, God, make this game be over. You know what I mean? And we started yelling, John, go, John, you can do it. John, 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 John. And John, all of a sudden, you see John going from, oh, he starts getting up. You know what I mean? His bat gets a little bit higher. He gets all excited. We started cheering for each of the kids that got up. If they struck out, we're like, yeah, but you swang so you were swinging so hard. That was awesome. And he's like, yeah, struck out. You're, you know what I mean? They were all excited. They, they started coming back. These kids, they were in the dugout. I mean, can you imagine a, a Little League baseball game? Your, your parents don't even want to come to watch Little League baseball sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, your parents show up in the stands before we got there or when we were coming in. They're like, oh, when is this going to be over? Yeah, this is so embarrassing. We got up there. We cheered them on. They started coming back. They started coming back. And it was amazing. When they get up, to, they'd run up to the plate. You know what I mean? And we would be screaming their names, 50 or 60 of us. And now all their parents are getting into it. And the other parents are cheering for the other team. And they, the other team won still about 25 to 17. 25 to 17, when the game was over, 50 or 60 high school students ran down onto the field, put their, clasped their hands together and made a tunnel, and the losing team came running through like they won the World Series. Yes! They were so excited. They had lost the game, but they were all fired up. It transformed their lives. They went from dragging and thinking I'm a loser and I just want to get out of this and the parents were like, why are we here? And by the end, everyone's cheering. No one cared who actually won the game. Those kids played their hearts out. Why? Because we spoke words into their lives. We spoke, we spoke power into their lives. We spoke encouragement into their lives. The Bible says love always, always hopes. It always believes the best. It always expects the best. I mean, you, you have no idea what this world would be like if we constantly spoke, if the world constantly spoke, we would have hardly any problems. You want to wipe out most of the sin on the planet? Live out 1 Corinthians 13. Love always hopes. See, what words are we speaking into the lives of other people? That's what we have to ask ourselves. What words are you speaking into the lives of those around you? Your husband, my husband, these are the words you're speaking into. My husband never talks to me. He's just whatever. He, my husband never, and you're speaking those words into his life. My wife's a nag. My children, my children have been like that. My children have always been like that. They're always going to be like that. What words are we speaking into people's lives? Would you like to know how to influence people? For good? Would you like to know the secret 
of changing people's lives. I'll give it to you in one sentence. Love is speaking what you want other people to become. Love is speaking into people what you would like them to become, what you want them to become, what honestly, what God wants them to become. Look at them and say, look at a person who is discouraged. Look at a person who has no self-esteem. Look and say, just throw. We've got your back. Just throw. I've, I've got your back. I had a really good friend. He's, he's, one of my, he's one of my closest friends recently say to me something. He actually, he said, I ha- we have your back. He said, listen, you know, I, you know, I said to you earlier that I've made, I've made mistakes when I should have gone, gone left. When, I, when, I, when I, I went left instead of going right up instead of down, I made mistakes. And when you make mistakes, when you're younger, especially at a church, and you, you start to get more guarded, you, want, you don't want to make the same mistakes, so you get more guarded. And my friend said to me, listen, he he said, he basically was saying, just pastor, I love you, just throw. God wants you to use your whole heart. He wants you to set this world on fire. He wants you, he wants you to use every bit of your gifts, your talents, your abilities. He said, keep driving. He didn't, wasn't criticizing, but he was saying, hey, you're, you're hung up a little bit on things because of some mistakes maybe you've made in the past leadership wise, but he says, go for it. He said, just throw. He didn't use those words, but he basically was saying, just throw. And the most important thing he said was, I've got your back. You got these dreams, you other visions you want to accomplish, you want to share them with the church. He said, just throw. I have your back. We have your back. You know what that feels like when someone says that to you? When you're being a little bit cautious because you don't want to make mistakes that will negatively affect the body? Nothing to do with sin, just decisions. And someone says to you, we trust you. Just throw. We have your back. Love always hopes. We need to emphasize the positive to people. We need to encourage people and emphasize the positive. People will say to me, you know, Pastor, I just tell it like it is. You know, I honestly, little side note, I love people who tell it like it is, so I'm not criticizing the idea of just telling the truth. But here's, here's my point. People sometimes will get this thing where, I, well, I just tell it like it is. Here's my, here's my thought to you. Maybe you should tell it like it could be. Maybe that'll work a little better for you. When you want to change people's lives, you want to see transformation in people's lives, maybe you should tell it like God would tell it. God has given us a purpose. Maybe you should tell it like it could be. Love always hopes. Love always hopes. Maybe we should tell it like it could be. Listen to me. Speak potential into the lives of children. Speak into their lives of what God can do for them and in them and through them. Speak potential into people's lives. Speak power into people's lives. We spoke power into the lives of that baseball, that Little League baseball team. Speak purpose into people's lives. You're not making this stuff up. God has created every single person with a specific purpose. He has given them gifts and talents and abilities and many people aren't using those gifts and talents and abilities because someone in the past has lie to them about who they are and they're believing those lies someone for goodness sake has to get with those people look them right in the face and tell them who God says they are you're a royal priesthood a holy nation a person belonging to God you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength 
just throw, I have your back. That's what people need to hear. Love conquers all. It really does. Love overcomes people's past abuse. Love overcomes people's bold-faced lies they were told by their teacher or someone in their past when they were a child. Love overcomes it. We need to speak it into people's lives. Jesus knew this. He knew this. Peter, okay, was impulsive. Peter was wishy-washy. Peter let his emotions dictate his actions. And then Jesus comes along, takes Peter, looks him right in the eye and says, Peter, you're a rock. You're a rock. You're a rock. You're going, Peter, look at me. You're going to be a symbol of stability in this world. That's, I'm God That's who you are. Let me ask you a question. Was Peter a rock? No. No stinking way. Peter wasn't even a pebble, to be really honest with you. At that point, when Jesus said, you're a rock, Peter wasn't even, he wasn't even a pebble. But Jesus, but Jesus said to him, this is what you can become. Peter, look at me. Look me in the face. Look me in the eye. This is what you can become. I created you. Just throw. I have your back. I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. You're a rock, man. You're a rock. Just throw. I have your back. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And last, it always perseveres. It always perseveres. It endures. It endures. It hangs in there. Number four, endure people's hurts. Endure people's hurts. The fact is, my friends, you cannot live without people around you. You cannot live without people. You sometimes think you can. You get mad. Oh, I'm going to be an island unto myself and all that kind of thing. We can't live without people around us, right? That's just reality. But here's, the, here's the also part of reality. You can't live with, without people, but if you have people in your life, they're going to hurt you. Now, very quickly... Abusing people and dangerous people, you put a boundary around those people, you don't allow them in your life, you, if you're, someone's ab- being abusive, I'm, that's not who I'm talking about, I'm talking about normal relationships. In normal relationships, people are going to hurt you, that's the way life is, that's just a fact of life. People are either going to hurt you intentionally sometimes, and people are going to hurt you unintentionally. Love endures the hurt. Love endures the hurt. Love always perseveres. It's consistent when other people are inconsistent. It's faithful when, uh, when, when, it's faithful when other people are unfaithful. Love is consistent. It perseveres. Perseverance means growing under pressure. Your love grows under pressure. That's what it means. The fact is, love gives people staying power. When we're talking about the love that God's, that God's love, the kind of love that God expects us to have, it gives people staying power. It keeps, it keeps you keeping on, you know what I mean? It keeps on, it helps you keep on moving forward. It gives you the ability to, to keep pressing on even when the difficult relationships are in your life. So many people today fear commitment. That's part of the problem. They're afraid of any kind of commitment. But here's the deal. Uncommitted love is worthless love. 
uncommitted love, if it's not commitment, it's cheap love. It, you want to you find cheap love? Go out in the world. There's all kinds of cheap love out in the world. Okay, People doing this, but there's nothing. There's no power behind it. There's no commitment behind it. There's no staying power behind it. Uncommitted love is meaningless love. Uncommitted love is cheap love. Love is commitment. Love is endurance. It endures. Love doesn't give up on people. When they fail, when they fail, when they make a mistake, love says, just keep throwing. I know you blew it. Just keep throwing. I have your back. The interesting thing about these four definitions of love is this is exactly the way God treats us. This is what God gives to us. These are the things that, these are, this is the kind of love that God gives to us, which is amazing. Jesus Christ set this example for us. So, as we close out, here's your homework for this week. We've had homework and you gotta, you got I hope you're doing your homework, okay, cause you're not, it's gonna pile up. Alright? It's gonna pile up. So here's your homework for this week. Your homework is to speak words of encouragement into people's lives. Speak words of encouragement into people's lives. Speak words of encouragement, encourage them, love them, support them. You know, I, I, I say this, I tell you this every once in a while, but I'm, I like I hug people, okay? And the reason I hug people, here, here, I'll give you the reason, I want you to understand. I hug people because you never know how long a hug has to last someone. You know, maybe in your household, maybe in your house, your your mom and dad said, I love you all the time, and they showed affection. That's not the case with everybody. My dad, who just passed last year, told me a few years back that when he was 50 years old, he took his mother's face in his hands. He looked her right in the eye, and he said, Mom, I love you. And he said to me, he told me, Jeff, I didn't let go until she said it back. She wasn't a bad person. She just didn't. She never, just never said, I love you. They didn't say, his mom and dad didn't say that, but he held on to her. It was so important. He was a 50-year-old man. And finally, she said, I love you back. The first time he heard, I love you, from his mother was when he was 50 years old. That's why, that's why I, I hugged, I told you this story before, I hugged a, a teenager out in the foyer about five years ago. When I, was, when I was finished hugging him, he was just weeping. And he said, you have no idea how long it's been since someone hugged me like that. You never know how long a hug has to last someone. I'm going to tell you something. For every one positive thing you say, I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a thousand other negative things that they're going to hear once they, once they leave your presence. You're not, you're not pretty enough. You're not, you're not handsome enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You're not, you're not something enough. You're not enough. Words, negative words and criticisms flow off the tongue in this world like it's going out of style. And we need as the as body of Jesus Christ to speak truth and to speak encouragement into people's lives. Look them right in the eye and they're not going to understand what you're saying. So say something. But you'll understand what I'm saying. Look them right in the eye and say, just throw. Or just keep throwing. I have your back. Whatever encouragement they need to hear, just keep moving forward. You can do it. You can go, go try out for that. You can do it. If you don't, that's okay. What a great experience you would have had. You, you would have learned something. That's okay. Encourage them. Just throw. I have your back. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And God, I pray with all of my heart that you would help us to be the people 
that encourage others, that trust, that hope, that endure, that persevere, Lord. We want to be those people. We want to speak encouragement and love into people's lives. Lord, let us be that person. Let each one of us be that type of person. This world so desperately needs it. Our, our politicians desperately need it. Our schools desperately need it. Our churches desperately need it. Our homes desperately need it. We need love in this world. And not cheap love. Real love. Where it's sacrificial love. We put the other person before ourselves. God, if we would listen to you, if we would obey you, this world would be transformed. At least the people around us would be transformed. And Lord, that's what we're asking for. For the transformation of the people's lives around us because we love them with all of our hearts. We give you the praise and the glory for everything you're going to do through us. Give us that opportunity, Lord, to speak encouragement into someone's life this week. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. I love you and have a great week.